The Anchored City Podcast is recorded in Anchorage, Alaska, on the traditional lands of the Denina Athabascan people. I have heard the oldest stories that the wisest man never told. And I cast aside my worries And just went digging for gold And I will scale the highest mountains Looking for the bluest blue Welcome to the Anchored City Podcast, where we're connecting with Anchorage's soul through her history, stories, and people. When I moved to Anchorage 25 years ago, I found it interesting that one of the tallest buildings in downtown was an empty shell. I quickly learned that the empty tower, known at the time as the McKay Tower, had a storied history. The structure is the oldest high-rise in Anchorage and was designed in 1950 by architect Earl W. Morrison of McDonald Architects in Seattle. The building is nearly exactly the same as its twin, the Inlet Tower, located across downtown near Westchester Lagoon. Standing at the corner of East 4th Avenue and Cordova Street, this building was constructed during 1951 and 52 and was opened as an apartment building named the Mount McKinley Building. It served as an apartment building until March 27, 1964. On that day, the 9.2 magnitude Good Friday earthquake, the largest earthquake ever recorded in North America, and second-largest recorded anywhere, struck Anchorage. The quake left widespread damage throughout south-central Alaska. One of the many buildings damaged as the earth shook for four and a half minutes was the Mount McKinley building. Following the earthquake, the building sat unused for years. The building was purchased at auction by Anchorage lawyer and real estate investor Neil McKay and renamed the McKay Tower. The structure was converted into an office building with the state of Alaska as the largest tenant. The state had 300 employees working within its walls, while McKay lived in a penthouse apartment on the top floor. In 1969, the property was expanded with the addition of a three-floor annex. In 1982, the building was found to have serious fire safety violations. McKay refused to make the $170,000 fire code improvements. As a result, The city condemned the building, and the state moved out. There is speculation that McKay's financial woes stemmed from legal issues connected to his alleged involvement in having both his wife and his brother-in-law murdered. But that's a story for another time. The Alaska Journal of Commerce in 2003 reported, McKay sold the complex in 1984, and it has stood as an empty shell for nearly two decades. The new owner abandoned the property, Homeless street people began moving in, and over the years, the site steadily deteriorated, earning the nickname of Pink Elephant for its fading two-tone pink paint job. In 1992, the building was sold once again and renamed McKinley Tower Apartment Building, but it remained vacant. Developer Mark Marlowe purchased the property in 1998 with the intention of turning it into a Radisson Hotel. Negotiations on that plan failed, But after extensive renovation and structural reinforcement, the tower opened in 2007 as the McKinley Tower Apartments. 
The building was added to the National Registry of Historic Places in 2008. And I would search the wide world over For one proverb that is true But of all the wrong Roughly a decade before the Mount McKinley building rose into the Anchorage skyline, in 1944, the Chamber of Commerce held an essay contest. The question the Chamber was seeking to answer was, what's wrong with Anchorage? The winner of the contest would win a $50 war bond, the equivalent to $740 today. So what did the winning essay say was wrong with Anchorage? The letter-long winning essay, local historian David Raymer notes, was a litany of detailed complaints. The winner out of 32 entries was Louise Berkland. Her entry was grouped into a number of categories. The first category was streets, where she highlighted poor drainage, slow snow removal, lack of good sidewalks, trash in the streets that appeared during breakup, and the lack of street signs or other markers which caused confusion along with the fact that a number of streets were named the same name in the small city. She also wanted to see increased recreational facilities including more library hours including Sunday and a community hall with a kitchen for gatherings. She was concerned about transportation problems and suggested a transportation depot for arriving and departing out-of-town buses. She thought the depot should include a ladies' restroom, which appears to be an unaddressed need at the time. She also was advocating for an increased regulation of taxicabs. And finally, she noted civic pride. Lax laws and enforcement around gambling, liquor, prostitution, and corruption was resulting in, quote, the wrong class of people moving to Anchorage. She cited the lack of a number of committees, one for welcoming and helping newcomers to the city, a committee for encouraging of the building of more finished housing, and one around civic welfare that would, quote, deal with specific delinquency cases, vagrancy, problems of home life, Filipino and Indian affairs, with recommendations for the betterment of individuals and civic welfare. Last, she decried the fact that there was not a vision for the city as a whole. Raymer observes that her entry was longer and more detailed than all the other entries. This little bit of history has me wondering, how would you answer the question, what's wrong with Anchorage? Do any of the observations made by the winning essay 77 years ago still ring true? Do you think that any current organization in the city would be bold enough to ask the question, what's wrong with Anchorage? learned with the crazy long life that I lived already and the scars I earned I still can't seem to find the answers and though the questions I never knew but loving you On Monday, January 11, 2021, the Anchorage Police Department and the FBI shut down a large section of Midtown. Less than a week after protesting turned violent at the Capitol Building in Washington, D.C., and with the nation on high alert, a threat was made against federal buildings in that area. 
I learned of the situation via text. Others heard of it through Nixle alerts and media coverage. The information flashing through the city raised the collective anxiety of the city in an already anxious time. For over five hours, the roads remained closed as the FBI and police, including the bomb unit, investigated the area with particular interest in a suspicious vehicle parked outside the Midtown Mall. In the end, nothing was found. FBI spokesperson Chloe Martin in a statement reported, a threat assessment was conducted on the individual's vehicle, which has now been cleared and determined to not be a threat. Anchorage police added, nothing suspicious was found. And while the FBI and Anchorage police were responding to a threat in the parking lot of the Midtown Mall, another mall, the Diamond Center, located four miles south down the Seward Highway, was releasing a statement concerning another threat. After being listed on a website organizing an armed protest as the location of the state capitol, an error that is 600 miles off and believed to be intentional, the mall announced it was closing Sunday, January 17, the day of the planned protest. A mall spokesperson was quoted as saying, We're not making a political statement, but the Diamond Center is a private, family-owned business and not an appropriate venue for an event such as this adding that plans are in place to control access to the Diamond Center and the Diamond Center parking lot on Sunday. Those plans included coordination with the police and the FBI. The mall was made aware of the planned protest by a concerned citizen. This is the final episode of the first season of the Anchored City podcast. In a way, by looking at some of the issues facing the city, we've asked the question, what's wrong with Anchorage? There isn't all that much overlap between that 1944 essay and what we've been looking at this season. There are a few things that are similar, substance use, the legacy of colonialism and racism, and the need to work on the civic welfare of the city. In some ways, the city has changed but in other ways, it has stayed the same. The organization that sponsors this podcast, the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative, has as its mission training the heads, hearts, and hands of Anchorage leaders to love their city and seek its peace. What is meant by peace in that statement is an ancient word, shalom. Theologian Randy Woodley says of shalom, shalom is a Hebrew word often used in scripture to mean peace, right? That's correct only if you consider it correct to call the Grand Canyon a large crack in the ground, or the Pacific Ocean a large pool of water. Woodley understands shalom as the harmony way, or all things in balance. Scholar Cornelius Plantinga Jr. agrees with Woodley, defining shalom this way. Shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. A rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied, and natural gifts fully employed under the arch of God's love. Shalom, in other words, is the way things are supposed to be. In short, we at the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative believe that shalom means everything the way it's supposed to be for all people. It is helpful to think of shalom as a wall. 
A wall is not complete until all the bricks are in place and every gap is filled. Once that is done, the wall is complete or in a state of shalom. Shalom means something that is complex with lots of parts being whole or complete. The city of Anchorage is much like the over 20 years the McKay Tower stood unfinished and unused, not in a state of completeness, but filled with lots of potential. The events of the last week in Anchorage underscore that everything's not the way it is supposed to be. Maybe the answer to the question, what's wrong with Anchorage, is that it's not in a state of shalom. But how does one create shalom? The answer is relationships. Urban thinkers Chris Rock and Joel Van Dyke note that cities are transformed at the same level they are created. They are transformed relationally. This podcast is sought to engage transforming Anchorage at this level by listening to the history, stories, and people of this place, which are all relational aspects of the city. As this season comes to a close, I want to encourage you to begin to listen to the history, stories, and people around you as a way to begin transforming your city and bringing shalom. As you do that, remember what Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street taught us in our first episode. Be hyper-local in your approach. Talk with a broad cross-section of people in your neighborhood. And be super curious about everything. A new season of the Anchored City podcast will be released in the fall. A few episodes will be released between now and then, so stay tuned. Until next time, I'm Joel Kiekenfeld, wishing you and your city Shalom. The Anchored City Podcast is grateful for a grant from Resonate Global Mission that in part makes this podcast possible. We are also grateful for our partnership with Street Psalms. Check them out at streetpsalms.org. And we're grateful for you, our listeners. If you are grateful for what you are hearing, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and recommend us to your friends. Resources used to make this episode can be found in the show details. The Anchorage City Podcast is hosted by Joel Kiekenfeld and is a production of the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative. The mission of the collaborative is to train the head, heart, and hands of urban leaders to love their city and seek its peace. When we say peace, we mean the desire to see a world where all things are the way they are supposed to be for all people. Find us online at anchorageutc.org and on social media at Anchorage UTC. Our theme song is by Anchorage's own Monica Lettner.